Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. My name is Ed Krasnick. I'm your co-host, my co-host, Jennifer Kalari, coming up in a second, a minute maybe, two minutes at the outset. Um, this is the show where we talk about mental health, but we, we don't just talk about it. We actually rehearse skills, skills for life, all kinds of different situations, because mental health is something that you do every day. It's something that you can practice. It's something that you can learn. It's something you don't have to be perfect at to do. And it's something that will change your life, even if you don't do it well, like me. This show is uh, launching our, our next season, our the beginning of the season. We haven't been on in a little while. And we have a big slate of shows ready for you. Um, wonderful guests. But this is great. Um, th- this guy I've known for a long time. He's a wonderful uh, comedian, multifaceted person, really interesting person. Uh, his new special, We All Scream, is running on Netflix. Our guest today is Patton Oswalt. The, the sponsor for today's show, the sponsor is called Do You Mind? And Do You Mind is a 24-hour emotional fitness center. It's a gym for your emotions and thoughts and how you deal with them. You can come to Do You Mind, which are opening all over the country. You can find out about Neuro Pilates, or you can jump on the treadmill to release your fears. You can imagineer your way to choosing better thoughts. The emotional theme park that we have is state-of-the-art. You can uh, go on the shame coaster. You can change your negativity with the belief cruncher. It's cardio for the mind. There's a breathing and meditation station, improv classes, a role playground. That's right, a role playground. A thousand situations, a thousand choices. It's choicer size, where people make conscious choices. Peloton Schmeloton. Feel good inside. Come and visit us at Do You Mind. Now, here are emotional shout outs uh, for this week. No matter what emotional state you're in, we want to welcome you. So here they are. If your therapist suggests playing Name That Tune as a way to guess what you're feeling, welcome. If you can't decide between the Anthony Fauci or Britney Spears father Halloween costume, welcome. If you're using the Dr. Death podcast as white noise to fall asleep, welcome. If you've made up a new yoga pose called Downward Spiral, welcome. If you've tried the new Lucky Charms with Echinacea to prepare for the flu season, welcome. If you refer to your couple's counseling session as an inconvenient truth, welcome. If you include inaction figures while playing with your kids, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. And now it's that time, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the Sultan of Serotonin. It's time for the High Priestess of the Hippocampus. It's time for the Ninja of Neuroplasticity. Please welcome Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, I thought we'd do two things. One is play a little game called Name That Phobia. I'm going to quiz you. Um, They're different phobias. We're not making fun of phobias at all. They're serious things, but there are some that are unusual that you may not have heard about before. So we're gonna, I'm going to question you about that. And by the way, Jennifer, you're playing for a trip to Barbados. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you the name, and you tell me what the phobia is. Let's start with paramophobia. Would you have any idea what that is? Paramophobia? Paramophobia. Very uh, unusual. 
I don't know, having trouble setting boundaries? It's the fear of watching the $100,000 pyramid. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and there's, of course, another one I like called get out of my face phobia, which is the fear of telling people to get out of your face. So I like that one. But these are actual ones. There's no way from the name that you would know, but it's very interesting. This one is called arachibutrophobia. Arachibutrophobia. I, it sounds like there's a spidery thing in there. Yes. But the, I don't know. Arachibutrophobia is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Wow. Okay. It is a fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. While the phenomenon has happened to everyone at one point or another, people with arachibutrophobia are extremely afraid of it. The okay. severity varies from person to person. We've talked about mesophobia before, where a lot of people have this uh, sensitive sensitivity to noise. This is fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. So if you have this, you know, connect with us, and we'll we'll figure something out for you. We'll talk to you about it. This is the next one. Nomophobia. Nomophobia. <laughs> okay. Nomophobia. A nomophobia. Now, I'll give you a clue. This is something that we all will experience uh, because of technology. Okay. So, like, no my phone? Like, I can't find my phone? Or yes, yes. It's a fear of being without your phone. Okay. Nomophobia. You need to have that a lot. People with nomophobia experience excessive anxiety about not having their phone with them, their battery being low or their right. phone being out of service. Which is real. Yeah. Regardless of the circumstances, not being able to use the phone causes people with nomophobia to become panicked and experience extreme symptoms of anxiety. And one of the things you can do with yourself, but also your kids or your teens, is you kind of come up with levels, like right? So one to 10. And a 10 would be like earthquake level. Like that would be an emergency. That would be a really serious thing that's happening, a fire, an earthquake. And, you know, if you have a young child, don't go in, don't put fears in their head, but, you know, have them think about something that would be a level 10. And with a level 10, you're allowed to have a level 10 response, screaming, yelling, crying, running, whatever, right? The, The response matches the event. And then you kind of go down the scale. You think, okay, well, what's a nine? okay, why am I having a level 10 response to a level four thing? So losing, not being able to find your cell phone immediately is really maybe a level three because it's probably around somewhere. And even though this sounds so simple and there will be people listening going, are you kidding me? Really? But honestly, like little by little, you're rewiring your brain. And I have worked with so many people who've gone from extreme anxiety and depression to feeling completely different. And they've done it by rewiring, by changing what they're thinking about. Where thoughts go, energy flows. It's that simple. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes commitment. And you'll fall off the wagon and get yourself back on. But you're the architect of your brain. You are. And then you kind of go down the scale. You think, okay, well, what's a nine? So... I don't know, a nine might be a fire in the kitchen that just started that you have an, you, you could put it out, right? So they'd be yelling, but not necessarily grabbing people and hitting and running out of the room. And then you go to level eight and level seven, and you keep finding events that kind of match. So why are we having a level 10 response to it? You know, we're responding as if there's an earthquake and you have to run out of the house screaming. So it's a way to kind of anchor your brain so that you don't have disproportionate emotional responses. And sometimes just putting a level on it can really help. And then when you, that works really well with your kids. 
hey, you had a level 10 reaction to your brother switching the channel on you. Why do you have a level 10 response to a level four event? And it kind of helps you scale it. It just, it assists the frontal lobe in mitigating and organizing and prioritizing what's going on. I can see, that's a great idea. And I can see that in the moment you could actually refer to it if you called it out. You could say, oh, mom's at a 10. (laughs) (laughs) 10. Yeah. You know, I I see family games, you know, taking the elements of charades, not only like role playing, you know, about life issues, family situations. Are you for real? Are Are you for real is even a better one. One way to kind of really put someone into a level 10, though, is point out that they're in a level 10. Don't do that. That would not work. Because then they'll then they'll go then they'll Absolutely. go crazy. Then they'll be at a level ten, and they'll and they'll exactly. get a frying pan. They'll exactly, get a frying exactly. Pan. Don't do it in the moment. But that is really something good you can do for yourself, or you can teach your kids to do for yourself, or you can reflect on it after and go, yeah, I really did have a level ten response to a level three thing there. You want to go to connectedparenting.com because connected parenting has all of Jennifer's classes, media, uh, support services, all kinds of resilience skills. Obviously, I get choked up about that. All kinds of resilient skills for you and your family, self-parenting skills, fantastic stuff at connectedparenting.com. Okay, so Jennifer wasn't able to be there for this conversation with our guest due to intricate scheduling. Uh, I was able to have a, a terrific conversation, which I think you're going to enjoy, with a gentleman who I can't list all the credits. It, it would take way too long, but I've known him for many, many years, pre-Mad TV days, early stand-up days, San Francisco days, and beyond. We've had great conversations in the past. He has had a million Netflix specials, feature films, lots of TV, lots of voice stuff. Um, lots of activism, social activism, a real hero, real interesting guy. His special Annihilation on Netflix is probably one of the best things I've ever seen on a stage. And his latest special is called I Love Everything. So from Annihilation to I Love Everything on Netflix, and you, of course, will recognize his voice instantly as the, the voice of the protagonist on The Goldbergs. Here's my conversation with the great Patton Oswalt. We've talked at Phil's like a couple times around the salad bar. We've talked. <laughs> Hi, how are you? How are you right. doing? Um, but I, I got to tell you, I mean, first of all, there's very few people that you can talk to about this range of issues. One, uh, grief. Two, uh, murder. Uh, three, okay. the Goldbergs. Don't so, grieve uh, well, grief, murder, and the Goldbergs kind of go together. So. Yeah, they do. If you look deep into it, the behind the the Goldbergs after dark, that book that's coming out, that series <laughs> for HBO. Um, you know, you know, I mean, the, the range. I was watching last night. My daughter is seventeen, and I was watching last night. I was watching Annihilation. Right. And I wanted to show her that one in particular <clears throat> because my daughter goes deep, and she understands a lot of stuff about deep emotions and mm-hmm. and things like that. She just has that kind of soul. So I was watching this and I really was crying and laughing at the same oh, time. Man. And I Thank cannot you. remember. I cannot. Re- First of all, I don't want I hardly watch any 
I mean, I hate to sound weird, but I, I don't watch a lot of stand up. I don't watch a lot of comedy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought, I mean, you moved me as everybody else to the point where I was laughing and crying. And I thought to myself, this is the most alive I've felt in a while. And I wow. mean, I mean that because when you're like really vulnerable mm -hmm. and you're doing comedy, mm -hmm. it's like the most amazingly powerful thing you can possibly do. Now, I, I, you know, I guess I'm just mentioning that because in your life, especially in the last few years, um, you've experienced a lot of this, a lot of these kind of mixed emotions and and, and, and insane situations. Yeah, getting whipsawed back and forth has been kind of my, you know, not my standard operating procedure. Well, how do you, how do you, what do you do for yourself that you're able to, because everything that you were saying was like, this guy is extremely healthy. He is, he is approaching this stuff mm. in an extremely balanced, healthy way. How did you do that? Where did you, where did that come from? I was only, you were only seeing healthy in hindsight. It, it, it's like, um, especially with stand-up, you know, you've only got to talk for an hour and, and you can seem like you're the most sage, perceptive person, but there's those other 23 hours that people aren't with you uh, where they don't see how all over the place you are. You know, that was a year after my wife had passed away and I only really started getting my act together about four months before filming the special. And before then there was, you know, terrible times of just going off the rails and not really knowing how to live or whether I wanted to live or even, you know, as I said, in the special questioning, maybe I'm not alive. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not actually alive right now. Maybe I'm the one that died. So saying that I was healthy was I had gone through all of the worst extremes that I could go through. And then I had finally, you were watching, um, you were watching someone who had survived a lot of bad decisions and now had wisdom because of them rather than somebody who made healthy decisions out of the gate when he faced this trauma and tragedy, you know, that that's really what you saw. So uh, I forget who said this quote. I love it so much, which is you cannot have, you cannot, you can't gain good judgment without having experiences, but you can't have any experiences without bad judgment. So that's kind of how I, you know, approach things. I, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of help did you get? What kind of help did you get uh, along the way? And, and how, um, you know, how do you help yourself? Well, for me, you know, I have a regular therapist that I talk to. We have phone sessions every other week that became every week. And then a couple of times a week for a while, um, my daughter was in a grief group and dropping her off to the grief group and then just sitting in the lobby and talking to the other parents who are also going through that was very, very helpful. Um, you know, talking to other people who had been through this other, um, uh, you know, friends of mine who had lost loved ones who had gone through stuff like that was, you know, especially <clears throat> other creatives and other comedians and being able to go, oh, okay, you can still find a way to put work and creativity back in the world when you've had this major source of, 
your um basically like like a, a major nurturer of your soul just ripped off the face of the planet there is a way to survive and still be a person and there's a way to experience joy again for the longest time <clears throat> i was very i got kind of frighteningly comfortable with the idea of well i'll just merely exist i will exist i will take care of my daughter and that will be my life and that'll be enough and then i had a a father at my daughter's school who had also gone through that loss and had he was like i know where you are right now that's where i was you, I know it doesn't feel like you can, but you'll be able to experience joy. It's just gonna take time. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I mean, and I and I would imagine, and then we go through COVID. Uh, I, I would imagine <laughs> the, you know, every. I think everybody looks at the quality of their life because you had you weren't able to do things, and if you were lucky enough to have what you need, basically. Right. And everybody that you knew was okay, relatively okay. You start right. looking at your what's going on inside and what the way you want to live. Like, how do I want to live my life? Well, one thing I wish I had done during COVID, I just talked to Karen Kilgariff about this. This was so wise. She said, right when the when the especially when the quarantine started, and I realized, oh, we're home now. We're just home. She was like, This is not going to be normal. Don't try to treat this like it's normal and that it's a benefit. Don't go into this going, I'm going to learn these skills and accomplish this stuff. It's like, no, there's going to be some nights where you, you know, eat, drink wine and eat popcorn for dinner, or, and there's going to be days where you sleep until <clears throat> four in the afternoon. Let that happen for a while. If you try to force normalcy on a abnormal situation, you will actually make it worse. I wish I had had that insight when it all started. I, I guess maybe I couldn't, cause you know, I was thinking of in terms of my daughter and, you know, my, my family. So I'm like, I've got to be the person, but I really tried to stamp way too much normalcy on insanity and it made things crazy for a while. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. I'm stamping normalcy on top of insanity, which yes. I think what the world, you know, <laughs> is doing and has been, been doing oh for a long God. time, like all, yes. like all the stuff that's going on in <laughs> politics, all the stuff that's going on with our country and with, yep. and, and not only our country, I mean, this is happening all over the world. Um, yeah. You know, Christian, Christian, uh, 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 you know, uh, this, this, these not this Nazism that's going on. I mean, it's it's just like like you people didn't learn anything. Like, is this just something that's in people? And I've been looking at this, too, is the 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 connection between mental health and racism, the connection between mental health and what aspect that plays in anger and hatred in all of these kinds of things. No one ever talks about it. People well, just- but there's also, I don't really, I don't look at this in terms of um, Christian nationalism or, or Nazism. I look at it in terms of whenever things start feeling unsure, people turn to any form of authoritarianism, any form where it says, you don't need to think the answers are simple. And people crave that. People crave freedom from choice. And <clears throat> the rise of Nazism, for a lot of the people at the time, wasn't anything new. They were like, I've seen authoritarian regimes and genocide before. In other words, there were people during the rise of Hitler that were like, are we doing this again? They had seen versions of this. So there just seems to be this recurrence whenever the world starts to shift and change, there are people that aren't ready to change and evolve with it. And the ones that don't want to evolve will turn towards any form of demagoguery. You know, it could be 
Nazism, it could be Christianity. There's a lot of this new way, new age stuff um, really rubs up against a, a lot of the new age yoga community, the crystal community, the meditation community yeah. was sort of flirting with the anti-vax community, the can't trust the government, that answers are simple. Like it all sort of, there are connections to it um, that were really, really, um, there's a lot of, I mean, that, that's what QAnon is. QAnon is just another way to go, no, no, it's not your fault. It's this huge evil cabal and it's, you haven't screwed up. It's they've screwed up your life. So the responsibility is off you. That's very attractive to a lot of people. And it's involved with lasers. That's and, the other thing that always and, interests me is the creativity. You know, it's like everybody became L. Ron Hubbard. They all, oh, yeah. they all like figured out this amazing story. Yeah. And it's like, boy, if you guys would just write a script, and not well, I mean, although it, I do, I mean, great. I'm pretty sure if, if, if I'm not mistaken, I do think, and I don't want to, I don't know if you can speak for your people, but you guys have space lasers that cause forest fires, right? That part's true, right? Oh, no, that is true. Yeah, That's you in do the, have it, yeah. You, you're not allowed to read about that until you're 43. That's the okay, problem. good. Okay, it's yeah. the part of the Kabbalah, which what, where do you think the word Kabbal comes from? The um, space laser. It's in the space laser <laughs> chapter. There's a chapter called space lasers. And you, you just never, my rabbis would never show me that. They'd never, we're not going to talk about space later, but when you're 43, uh, you know, we can, we can get into the, no, but, but this is, you're talking about choice. You're talking about it's, it's, it's when people have a lot of choices, when they're, when they're, it's difficult, they want to be told what to do. This is part of mental well being, though, is the little tiny choices that you make in every moment, little yeah. tiny ones, little very yes. simple ones. And that's what we're not, you know, we don't practice that stuff. We're not taught about that stuff. When you, you every day, the fact that you've dealt with all of these enormous issues, how do you take care of yourself on a daily basis? When you find yourself starting to spiral, what do you do? Well, one thing I have to remind myself of is that get that, get that um, Marvel Comics MMA superhero action uh, hero mentality out of your head in terms of day-to-day -day health. There are not these massive um, Hulk Hogan, Captain America wins every day that will keep you healthy. That's very fun escapism and it is really, really um, entertaining, but mental health is actually about saying yes to some pretty mundane, boring things every single day. And a lot of people can't accept that that's actually how to live a successful life is that you do a set routine of healthy things every day. They, they think that there is some sort of transformative elixir or magic ring that you will find and it just changes everything overnight. Whereas you know, that's why you see a lot of people that were so suddenly politics came became about, it's got to be a massive change. We got to burn the whole thing down and re it's like, it has never worked that way um, because the actual day-to-day -day way to be successful is get up, you do a little bit of your work. You know, it's, it's like when I was doing, when I started in stand-up in 88, I just got a little bit better every day. And now I think a lot of people, they have that because of shows like American Idol and where they do that fake from out of nowhere. <laughs> like she was a, he was a bus boy. Boy. And then one on, and then if you go look at the backgrounds of any of the actual um, American Idol winners, they had been professional singers for years. There are ways you can be a professional actor, comedian, singer, but not be famous. 
You know what I mean? The people don't understand that. They, they think fame equals success. Whereas like, no, actually success usually comes way before fame. So, but they got it into that mentality of you just go up and you've got one chance and it either works or it doesn't. It's like, no, the, the scary thing is you have about 50 chances. They're just little moments that move you forward. And, but that's boring and that doesn't sell a good TV show. So that idea got thrown out the window. It's why I hated Last Comic Standing so much. That idea of your career comes down to a couple of, no, it doesn't come down to a couple of moments. It comes down to consistency and persistence and evolution and innovation. It doesn't come down to five minutes decide your career forever. That's ridiculous. Nor does anything, no. nor does anything. It's yeah. a collection of all kinds of things. And it's, it, there's a chance in every moment, there's a chance in every moment, but it's not the chance well, to win or lose. That's why so many of these alt-right uh, MAGA chuds are all failed comedians. So many of them are failed comedians because they did a month's worth of open mics, didn't work out for them, or they, they didn't get immediate success. What's amazing is if some of these guys had just quietly stuck to it, they would have ended up doing fine. But they immediately um, metastasized. Um, it wasn't even showbiz failure. It was they metastasized the absence of immediate showbiz failure with the entire left wing sucks and I've got to tear down Hollywood. It's all bitterness. And if if failure in showbiz means that I'm all right, then I should be like a, a, a you know, Gruppenfuhrer at this point, because the first eight years of my stand up career were horrific. They were horrific, but I stuck with it, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, it, it's just, we, we got this, we, we've had a very bad, we, we have a bad version of life imprinted on us right now that I wish a lot of people would be, a, a, a big part of the population has got to shake it off or we're screwed, you know? But we can make this little incremental change. No, no incremental change. We either fix the whole thing right now or screw it and burn it all down. It's like, well, then, then nothing's going to get done. Right. And it starts with that one to one relationship. It's what you tell yourself matters. But so many people are living reactively. They're living. They're not. Con you talk about conscious living. That's like a real luxury. You know, mm -hmm. Mar Marcus Aurelius. And I love to bring him into this. But he he said, you know, I, wait a minute, I hang, hang on. Did we we used to he used to do the Holy City Zoo, right? He he worked at uh, he worked at the zoo and he yes. was there on weekends next to the last day saloon. He used to be the doorman at the last. Oh, day that's saloon. right. OK. Oh, yeah. OK. Anyway, go ahead. So Marcus Aurelius, the, the, the happiness of your life is based on the quality of your thoughts. So wow. basic, basic thinking and feeling, basic thinking and feeling like you can choose what you think. Oh, it doesn't automatically go like that. No. Oh, that's or really you interesting. can choose. You can choose how things affect you. Like something yeah. bad can happen to you, but you can go, okay. And by the way, that means you can also choose to let success affect you in a positive way. Success can be just as dangerous as failure and rejection for some people. You know, it, it, it can destroy them just as quickly unless you find a way to react to it. And what, what about that for you? Because you, uh, you've been very successful and but you have the mentality of a guy who is not you know i mean knowing you a long time ago i mean it's like interesting that you say these things about you know superheroes and how you have to get out of the superhero mentality not easy for somebody who understands what that is and is a fan 
Well, you be, you should absolutely look. That stuff is there for entertainment, but you cannot apply that to your life um, or other people's lives or the way you think the the structure of life should unfold for you and everyone around you. The Bible is a beautiful book full of all kinds of amazing <clears throat> writing and inspiration, but you can't, you shouldn't then try to apply that to reality or to government or to, you know, controlling other people. It should, it's for you to go get solace and comfort and maybe some strength from, but then you then have to come back into the real world and live. And um, another great philosopher, uh, Sergio Aragones, from Mad Magazine, I think he knew Marcus. I can't, Marcus <laughs> seemed to know everybody. Um, <clears throat> I met him one time. He's, you know, Serio Argonis is, was amazing. And, but he always drew superheroes in like kind of chubby and goofy looking. He always did them funny. He would do the, all, he drew all the marginalia in Mad Magazine, all those little marginalia. Oh yeah, 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 sure, sure. And I was like, so why, why do you always draw superheroes like such goofballs? And he's like, I love superheroes. But superheroes to me represent despair. They represent someone going, I cannot handle my life. I wish a man or a woman with a magic ring or x-ray vision would come out of the sky and just fix everything. They're, they're essentially about despair. <clears throat> so that idea of, oh, that's right. Go, um, also to quote Dick Gregory, you can, you can build a fun, um, uh, build a fun castle out of out of blocks if you're a little kid and, and go, yeah, this is my castle, I'm a king. But if you start using it as your address in real life, you're in trouble. Wow. Uh, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Right. Well, you know, there's something interesting that's happened. There's a couple things, and I'll let you go because I know you got stuff, but I there there's a few things. One is, um, so this is something funny. So mm. now- It better the, be. Now the TV that was just set it up. What I was saying. <laughs> set it up. The TV, <laughs> the TV networks have figured out that documentary series are cheaper to produce than other kinds of series. Oh yes. So they've done this date. They've done this data thing where they take data and analytics, and they figured, you know what, we could get just as many viewers, or almost as many, with these doc series. So here's an example <laughs> where they're using the cost of entertainment, the cost of investing in something mm -hmm. as something that's actually going to enhance culture. But it's an accident in a way because they because they figured out that it's profitable. Right. Except that sometimes I feel like <clears throat> I love documentaries and 90 percent of documentaries are absolutely widen your um, view of the world and expand your canvas. But it seems like lately a lot of the documentaries are leaning towards the lurid and this titillation of crime and death and despair and reinforcing the idea of it's better that you don't leave your house. It's the world is full of monsters out there, which it's not. There's assholes out there, but all, all Twitter does is amplify that. But the world is not full of monsters and you should go out and explore the world. You should explore it intelligently. But when every other serial, every other documentary is some serial killer who they paint as this dark anti-hero, I'm just a little, you know, again, the analytics will always fail us. The studios had thought they had found the analytics when they started doing audience surveys and, oh, here's what people want. And then it failed them. And these analytics will fail as well. The analytics always fail because people are always changing and evolving. And I just hope that because right now we're living in the age of loneliness and cruelty. 
people are lonely and they are cut off and they crave contact so much that they will take that, they'll accept that contact, even if it's cruel. It's why MMA is so popular. It's like, whatever you think of MMA or sports, whatever, those are two people. It's, that's an actual real thing you're watching and it's in a world of so much unreality. I can, I understand what, how appealing and, and what a relief it is to actually see skin on skin, bone on bone. Well, this is just the human experience. Now, right now, because the loneliness is so amped up, the cruelty is so amped up as a response. And I don't know where we go out of this, but that seems to be what's going on with the documentaries. You know, I, I just remember a lot of the documentaries I like ended up being kind of hopeful and, okay, here's how people got together. Here's how this thing happened. And now every single one I see is just dark, 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 dark. Well, it's funny. It's funny because at the same time, I started getting involved with these organizations uh, like David, uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads has one. It's called Reasons to be Cheerful. Mm -hmm. And and, and it's a a movement called Solutions Journalism. And it's stories Mm -hmm. about people who are creating solutions all over the world while we're talking now. Every minute, every day, huge solutions. They're just buried in the news. Right. And so now we're starting to amplify these stories. And it changes your mental health because the headlines, instead of the the world is ending, it's not only isn't the world ending, the world is fabulous. We're doing amazing things. They're working. Right. And that is happening. Yes. We're we're at the peak, though, of a cycle of cruelty, and I hope we come out of it. But right now, cruelty is the most profitable right now. Now, maybe this won't last forever, but it's... um, it just feels like a grim time. It, it feels like everything I see documentary wise is, you know, huddle up, stay in your house, don't go out. You know, everyone's crazy. And it's we've, just, we've uh, traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. <laughs> and really, it's coming from inside your head is what it the is. whole thing it's, is. Yes. It's coming from inside your head. Now, going back to that, I'm going to take you back to a time many years ago. Mm-hmm. where you and me and about eight other comedians, mm-hmm. it's Christmas Eve. I don't know what the day was, but it was like a holiday. And mm-hmm. Robin Jones, who ran the new art at the time, yeah. mm-hmm. makes a he says he invites all of his comedian friends and he says, well, I'm going to do a midnight screening of It's a Wonderful Life. I remember this. And I'm going to invite you guys in. And there was about really like eight of us, maybe. And we're all sitting and I was sitting with you and we're watching It's a Wonderful Life. Mm -hmm. And all of these people at that time in our career was young in our careers and it was early, but it was also, you know, cynical comedians Mm -hmm. and everybody melted. Oh, God. We came out on the sidewalk and we were like crying. Yeah. And and I think one of the reasons because that 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 film is so it's so ubiquitous that it gets underrated. People forget that that movie really embraces, it doesn't embrace it in a celebratory way, but it shows you this is what negativity and cynicism will get you. Like when they go into the alternate world where he was not born and they absolutely go down that rabbit hole, it gets creepy and unsettling. So when you come out, it is such a warm shower at the end of that. But Frank Capra doesn't shy away from any of the, you know, terror of that world the scene of the bar his moment of if you're up there show me the way i even before that before he um when he's at home and the money's missing and he's just like trembling and the girl's trying to play the piano and it's like 
this is like in the in the 40s this is like you know during the time of the nuclear american family and 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 you see the family coming apart and he's screaming at his kids and she's crying it's like oh my god i can't like that that was that must have been really shocking for audiences i don't think they liked it i don't think it it got uh, a lot of accolades yeah. that's at that time oh, um yeah but but yeah i you know and and i wonder like you know he's he's in a real situation he's in a real bind and at that time you know people didn't have therapists it wasn't that kind of a world but he's in a real bind but when you think about you know your actual situations and then what you tell yourself what you tell yourself matters and you, we all need a thought catcher we all need a you know we all need to be able to catch the stuff that we're telling ourselves which yeah. is we trace the call it's coming from inside your head um you you what do you what kinds of things you know if you like if you like looked at what the kinds of things you tell yourself are there conscious things where you're like because of what you've been through okay here's what i here's what i do when this happens this is how well, i take care see here's the thing though some of the things that i tell myself have only come because i'm 53 years old you have to actually live through some of these cycles to go oh this thing is starting up again. You know, there is no, it's not a constant peak. There are peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys, and you have to wink at the valleys and then not get hung up on the peaks. It doesn't last. Um, both failure and success don't last. You have to like be, figure out who you are in between all of it and, and not, but again, a lot of that doesn't come with age. I think actually it's, I think it's helpful to get overwhelmed when you're in your 20s and think that something's going to last forever both the good and the bad and then see it not happen that way so that you then gain a little bit of immunity to that and you gain wisdom for that so any advice that i'm going to give about oh what are the things you tell yourself or that that came just from pure age and persistence and endurance how are you in therapy when you're sitting in a therapist's office how are you are you are you a different person are you the same person are you at ease I try to be the same person. I talk, my, my therapist is so, I, I have this great therapist used to live near me. Then he moved very, very far away, like out to Pacific Palisades. And I had a very honest conversation with him where I said, look, if I start driving out to where your new office is, a big part of my problem will be the drive to get to you and then come back home. That'll be, so let's do this over the phone. So I do it over the phone. And he was cool about that. He was like, I knew enough about myself to know that's going to be a huge Hey, what's your problem? Driving out to see you like that, that doesn't really kind of negate itself. So I, I try to be very, very, you know, honest. And I also I've learned to let myself talk and yammer for a bit. He doesn't really talk a lot because he is that let he's going to let you talk it through and then find the moment where he swoops in. And I've come to trust that he will swoop in at some point after I've been yammering and sometimes get myself lost in the syntax. Are you, you're obviously you, you're so devoted as a parent to Alice and, and uh, to Alice uh, and how uh, have you become, I mean, how, what kind of a dad are you now? Do you think, how would you look I at mean, that? I, it's the kind of dad you are changes with the age of your kid. Your, your, your mm -hmm. child never stays the same age, never stays the same person. Now I have a eye rolling 13 year old and I have to go, oh, okay, it's my turn to be the square parent right now. I, I don't get to be the cool font of wisdom. She's learning stuff. Now her biggest influences are her friends and sometimes the media. So I have to 
find a way to step in that way. Like your role will always change and you've got to embrace and roll with that. You know, you will not always be the cool person and that's okay. You just got to roll with it. So the kind of parent I am is I just try to be very, very open and evolving with how she's evolving. Yeah. And when you read that, when you read that stuff for the Goldbergs and you're doing that voiceover, does any of that stick with you? Are you reading it and you're like, yeah, this is a nice tender moment. Are you yeah, like, this those, is, you know, there, there are especially some moments to the end of every episode where they really kind of wrap up. What is the lesson that these people have learned through a lot of chaos that they, that does really stay with me. And it's, but, 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 you know, I don't want to say what stays with me, what doesn't, I think each person should approach that thing as a blank and then take what they can from it. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, and, and the other thing, and I'll let you go on this, but like Twitter, I don't understand, you know, it's such a crazy thing. It's such a crazy <laughs> thing and you navigate it so well. It's like you're, you're in and out, you're commenting, everything seems, you know, there's a flow to it, but it's insanity. How do you, what yeah. happened? How did you, it's, it's crowd work. You keep it light. Um, and then the times you get really involved in things are when something is so over. I mean, yeah, you keep it light, but you don't wink at everything. There are some things that are, to me are so monumentally evil that it's okay to lose your cool sometimes and go, hey, everyone stop for a second. All joking aside, this is fucking crazy. And we can't just let this shit happen. You know, the stuff that just happened at Martha's Vineyard and everyone trying to parse it out and go, well, you know, they got to be flown to this really nice place. Is that really that bad? I'm like, oh, stop. No, 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 no. We're not. We are not going down this road. No, no, no. What that is an evil, shitty thing he did, period. And we will go from there if we're going to discuss it. But you're not going to go. I mean, could they, were, their, were their lives really that much better? You're like, oh, my fucking God, I can't believe we're doing this. Yeah. It was bad. I remember back back in the early aughts after 9-11 and suddenly, you know, you, it was always just a, a no brainer that, yeah, we don't like torture is bad. We clearly do torture people, but torture is bad. And then I started people going, so going, well, but is it? I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not, we're fucking not going. We are not, I'm not going to give you a foothold on this. Because uh, once I do, there's no going back. Torture is bad. We're actually discussing that. Um, let's see. Is it is it good? Is it bad? I don't right. know. Maybe not so much. You know, have you well, let's hear, let's let's just no no no, we're not gonna hear both sides on this. So Anyway, a wow, what a great way to end this. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. It's so good to talk to you. It's just good to talk to you. Thanks. Yeah. Good to see you too, man. I'm, I hope things are going well. They're good. They're good. It's a All pleasure. Right. Thanks, Pat. And I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, man. Pat Oswalt on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. And I want to thank Patton, especially. Look for Patton everywhere. Look for Jennifer Kalari's work at ConnectedParenting.com. And look for this show wherever you get your podcasts and go to makelightmedia.com, makelight, one word, media.com, and you can have comments, you can send notes, you can send messages, send money. Look for the good. Watch what you say to yourself. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari. We'll see you next time.